Hi FM, your station of choice since 2008. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Hi FM. 101.9 Hi FM, this is Rabbi Levi Avtson, Associate Rabbi Linksfield Shul, Soul to Soul, every Tuesday from 1 to 2 in the afternoon. You can WhatsApp us, 061-895-1019. You can SMS us at 34519. Let's get into it. Okay, so yesterday was Rosh Chodesh, yesterday was the beginning of a new month, a Hebrew month, a lunar month of Iyar. And here we are, the second day of the month of Iyar, just two weeks before the second Passover, Pesach Sheni, which is a conversation for another time, Alagba Omer, and everything else going on in this month. And I want to focus on the general theme of this time. There's different themes, actually, that uh, occur during this period of time between Pesach, Shavuot. There's the theme of Israel. There's the theme of memory. And then there's the theme of unity. So Judaism has a lot of interesting customs. I guess that's an understatement. One of the more interesting customs is that for a certain period of time, if you've noticed, we weren't playing music now. We were playing a cappella. Although the song said it's Imesh Kachech. I don't think the song was actually about Imesh Kachech. It was something about Zaidi. But uh, it was a cappella. And for, for an amount of time of anywhere between four weeks and seven weeks, we don't listen to music, we don't shave, and various other customs of mourning. And why? If you've been listening to the station for a while, you'd know that there is this mysterious Omer morning about regarding 24,000 nameless students of Rabbi Akiva thousands of years ago, just under 2,000 years ago, who died. And they died in the mysterious words of the Talmud, they did not respect one another. And because of these students, where we don't know where they're buried, we don't know any of their names, we only know the name of the five surviving students, because there was 24,005, and amongst the five students that survived was Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who was the other big hero of Lagba Omer. Besides those five students, 24,000 students died, and 2,000 years later, Jews around the world do some sort of mourning during this period. Now, unlike the Passover story that we have a time, a space, um, location, a history, Shavuot, Sukkot, Hanukkah, Purim, the 24,000 student story is very mysterious. We have our original source as a piece of Talmud, but other than that, we actually don't know much about these 24,000. So we don't actually know what year it took place. We don't know um, there's arguments about what period of time they died. Did they all die by Lagba Omer? Did they continue dying after Lagba Omer? And Lagba Omer was just a one-day interruption. Where are they buried? What did they die from? Was it a sickness? Was it a plague? Was it a um, Ayin Hara, evil eye? What was it? There's a lot of enigma around it. And compared to other tragedies in Jewish history, although 24,000 is not is not a small number by any stretch, you wonder why such a tragedy... Um, deserves a full month plus of 
Jewish mourning. The only other time that we have such mourning is in the three weeks between the when the Babylonians and Romans broke into Jerusalem on Shiva Sabatamos and the destruction of the temple on Tisha B'Av, which happens in about two months' time. But that makes more sense. That was three weeks that were pivotal twice in Jewish history, the destruction of the Jewish commonwealth, the first commonwealth and the second commonwealth, in the Holy Land, the destruction of God's home. So three weeks of mourning seems to sit well. But we don't have an official time of mourning for the Jews killed in the Crusades. We don't have a time of mourning for the Jews that were killed in um, post-second biblical time. There was a terrible tragedy of Beitar um, and many other historic things, the, the, the Inquisition, okay, the Holocaust is, uh, in modern times. And yet for 24,000 students that we can't even trace one of their names and we cannot place where they're buried, collectively around the Jewish world, it's a custom that's accepted by everybody some more, some less, but the general concept, custom of Svirata Omer, of mourning in this time, exists. And you're like, why? What, 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 how? How did this day, how did this month become so accepted as a time of mourning when we can't even get an exact understanding of why we're mourning? It's extremely vague. It really is. So, there's various answers and there's various different ways of exploring it, but I think that, that at the core, it's not so much about the 24,000 students as it is the message of the 24,000 students. We're given a time between Passover and Shavuot to reflect on the lesson of the 24,000 students. There is no other time that's at in, there's no other theme in the Jewish calendar that's given as much time. The only thing that compares is perhaps repentance, which happens in the month of Elul for a month, all the way up to Yom Kippur. But this idea of seven weeks of Omer, each each one of them having some sort of mourning from the beginning of Pesach to Shavuot, seven weeks on one theme, what's that theme? The theme of mutual respect amongst people. From all the themes of the year, whether it's the theme of Hanukkah, eight days of light, whether it's the theme of Purim, Joy, commitment, Passover, freedom, all the wonderful themes that the Jewish calendar brings and allows to surface. Which theme was given the most quantity of time is this Omer theme, the theme of working on respect. And even when we count the Omer, not only when we... When, practice mourning by not listening to music, but even when we count, and every day we sit there focusing on one of the 49 attributes, the 49 characteristics that says every day in the Omer. So, for example, today is the 17th of the Omer. So today's theme is Tiferet Shebetiferet, which is beauty within beauty or compassion within compassion. Each day has its theme of character building. It's not intellectual ideas as much as it's emotional ideas. It's character. It's working on our various emotional personalities, our ability to self-regulate, discipline, our ability to share, our ability to reflect, to be victorious, to be humble, etc., to connect with other people. All those themes get 
are focused during the seven weeks. This is seven weeks that are exclusively focused on character building. And what is character? Unlike intelligence, and we'll explore this after the song, but unlike intelligence, which is a very private endeavor, um, our ideas are very much in our own head, Emotions are there for the way we interact with others. When you're locked up in the home alone, emotions don't play much of a function. Emotions are the way we connect with the world, we connect with things, the way we connect with things outside of us. And this is the time that we work on the way we interact with the world, the way we interact with our fellow people, the way we interact with Hashem's universe. This is the time that we focus on character. And as mentioned, Seven weeks of working on character. There's no other theme of the year. No other Jewish theme that's given this much time. And it begs us and it calls upon us to really ask ourselves, what is this theme? What is this idea of mutual respect? What's this idea of character building? Before we move forward, I would love to play you another a cappella song. I think every year I've been on the show at this time of the year, I've played this at least once, if not two, three times. It's one of my favorite songs, a song authored by A.B. Rothenberg, composed, it's called A Small Piece of Heaven, and it's a beautiful reflection on how to look at one another. Here on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. There's a small piece of heaven in everyone's heart, a glorious gift from above. It will sparkle and shine if we each do our part to reach out and touch it with love. One of the most beautiful choruses of any songs I've ever heard. So let's continue on the theme. We were talking about the idea that these seven weeks are character-building weeks. We focus on our character. And we mentioned this idea, which I want to explore now a bit more, the difference between intelligence and emotion. You see, an idea, once an idea is passed over, for example, I'm sharing an idea with you, hopefully, and once you take the idea, you could walk into your own room alone, shut the radio, Think about this idea, contemplate the idea, digest the idea in your own way, in your own space, and it's very much a personalized experience. Versus emotion. Emotion is built by living amongst other people. If you're alone in the island, you're not going to be feeling much emotion. Emotion is triggered by relationships and love and fear and connection and passion and all those things happen within the framework of humanity. In the words of Kabbalah, the midos are lezulas. The, the character traits are for the sake of other people. It's the way we interact. We don't interact through ideas. We might communicate ideas, but ideas don't build relationships. What build out relationships is character, emotion, kindness, warmth, etc. All those things within the character. Now, this leads to, as a side, a very fascinating idea, that there's two ways of leading people. One way of leading people is through ideas, and the other way of leading people is through emotions. And based on what I just said, you'd argue that maybe leading people through emotion is better because that's human connection. But the problem with leading people with emotion is that if the whole connection is emotional, then they're totally codependent on you. So, for example, if you're a leader and you get people excited by your charisma and your character and the aura you present, 
you're never going to be able to really spark a world transformation, a world change, because people are addicted to your atmosphere. And the second they leave your aura, the second they leave your arena, what happens? They lose their motivation. They lose their excitement because their excitement is dependent on your excitement, on your atmosphere, on your character. However, if you're a leader that it's, whose power is through ideas, then no matter where they move on in life, because the ideas, the moment they're heard and digested, they become personalized and they're no longer dependent on the originator of the ideas, you could create a world transformation through the power of ideas. And we see that within Judaism, of course, there's been many, many charismatic leaders throughout history, but the leaders that have been the most enduring have been the idea, the leaders with incredible ideas. Maimonides, Moshe Rabbeinu, etc., etc., etc. The people that have the greatest impact are people that can give you an idea, give you a world perspective, a Weltanschung that you can then walk out from their aura and move and change the world. And therefore, often as, you know, as parents, we ask ourselves, what is our role as parents? Of course, our first and foremost is, you know, giving love and, and, and showering them with unconditional love. But it's also to raise them to be decent human beings. And maybe you might say that's even more important than the first thing. And how do we raise them to be human beings if they're only decent because we're around, if they're only decent because they're afraid of us or they're in awe of us, but they have not created their own character, they have not developed their own perspective of life, we have not been able to transfer to them our world vision and allow them to digest it in their unique own way, it will never have its impact. It will never be everlasting. So ideas are incredibly individualistic. And that's why when we want to bestow upon somebody the gift of leadership, the greatest gift we can give them is powerful ideas. On the other hand, how important it is, the emotional connection. So yes, emotions mean that we're codependent on one another in some way, that we a, a person needs, or rather interdependent, that we need people in our lives. But that's what... So much of the human experience is connection, marriage, siblings, parents, children, friends. It takes a village to raise a child, not only academically, it takes a village to raise a healthy human being with all the support system that we have around us. And emotion is incredibly powerful. And often the most neglected part within the human psyche. So even within religion. We've spoken about this previously a while back, how there's three pillars of, of the religion. There's Torah, Vodag, Milut, Chasadim. There's prayer, there's, there's learning, and there's kindness for one another. In other words, there's what we do for one another, there's action, there's study, and then there's emotion, connection. Prayer refers to more the emotional connection. And very often we focus on the intellectual intelligentsia of Judaism, the Torah and the ideas and the logic and the laws, and we focus on the action, doing the right thing. But the third chain, the third link in the chain, which brings it all together, is the human emotional connection. And that's why in the great book, uh, one of the greatest books that have been written ever, Chavat HaLevavot, The Duties of the Heart, in his introduction to the book, he spends a lot of time talking about how he found in the 11th and 12th century, he found a tremendous neglect 
in the Jewish community at the time of this third pillar, the pillar of the emotional mitzvot, the, the emotional connections, whether it is faith and trust and loving a fellow Jew and unity, etc. These ideas that are so paramount to the to our identity. So we have a huge element of Judaism, which is human connection the way we treat one another, which is given a huge amount of time. It's given entire Omer to exclusively focus on this. And what's interesting is that this is not the only time we focus on it. There are other times of the year that it's the same theme. Even the three weeks that we mourn the temple, destruction that we mentioned earlier, between the 17th of Tammuz and the 9th of Av, one of the main themes that we focus on then is Avat Yisrael, loving a fellow Jew. The theme of Sukkot, that we, when we sit in the Sukkah, is often the theme of unity. We bring the four species together. We sit all together in the Sukkah. Many, many of the other holidays which might carry other themes have included in them the theme of unity. This theme of mutual respect and the way to interact with our fellow human beings. Because that is the foundational premise of what religion is. If religion can make us pious, but cannot make us kind and loving then religion has not begun its journey within us. In the words of the Talmud and Shabbat, where this fellow shows up to Hillel and he tells him, tell me the Torah on one foot, and what does Hillel respond? What you don't want done to you, don't do unto others. What you don't like being done to you, what you despise, don't do to others. The idach pirushu chul and the rest is the commentary. And what Hillel wasn't, Hillel wasn't saying that the rest of Torah isn't important. Hillel was saying that this is the foundation, that the foundation of faith, the foundation of religion. How do you know if religion has impacted an individual is whether they're kind, if whether they're loving, if whether they're forgiving. If a person can hold on to religion for an extended amount of time and yet cannot find within their heart forgiveness, kindness, warmth, empathy, then they have totally corrupted the message of religion. It's almost as if religion has totally bounced off them. They might be doing the practicalities, but this week's parasha, love your fellow as yourself. If that cannot be included, if that cannot be the foundation, then what is there? And what boggles the mind is how often we can grow our religion, grow our piety, without realizing that it must grow in tandem and it must grow in founded on this idea of don't do unto others that you don't want done to yourself. Treating people with respect. Giving respect to one another. It, it sits at the heart of everything whether it is the technicalities of the laws of Shabbat, and we could get lost in the laws of Shabbat, the laws of kosher. And that God's wisdom was given to us to combine people, to litzarif, to combine, to connect people. That's at the core of the mission statement of, of, of religion, of, of Judaism, of, of faith. Think about this. Who was the founder of, of monotheism, the founder of faith? Abraham, correct? What did Abraham spend his day doing? Preaching? 
Abraham spent the day giving food to poor people, to travelers, to nomads in the desert, because the founder of our faith, together with his wife, the two founders of our faith, Avram and Sarah, what did they understand? That if they're going to show that they believe in God, if they really believe in God, then they believe in God's children. And if they believe in God, then they know that God wants them to treat the other person with dignity. So they spent their entire time opening a tent, which they called an hotel, an ashel, with four entrances on four sides so that everybody can easily access their hotel and they serve them food for free. That is Avram. That is Sarah. That is the foundation of the faith. And we're told, why is Avram the founder of the faith and not Noah? Seemingly, Noah was also a believer, so much so that he was the one that survived the entire flood. We're told because Noah was selfish. Noah didn't go out and impact others. He didn't go out and share. He did not go out and interact with fellow human beings. He was very pious, but he didn't make a dent in the human civilization. He did not care about others. Proof is that over 120 years of building an ark, he wasn't able to convince one person to repent. If he was passionate about impacting others, he would have made a difference in somebody's life. And the rabbis are critical of it. The sages were critical of him. 120 years, you're building an ark. And God gave you that much time, and he wanted it to take so long so that you could have time to impact. And you haven't impacted one person? Where's your passion? Where's your sincerity? Where's your love to another human being? Don't you realize what's going to happen to them? That they're going to be unfortunately killed during the flood? So Noah is not the father of, of Judaism, of monotheism. Who is? Avram Avinu and Sarah Imenu. Abraham and Sarah. Why? Because they, their religion was not abstract. It wasn't academic. It wasn't only that they could tell you the intrinsicacies of, of, of various laws. It was practical to the ultimate ex- expression, giving food to another person. Caring about somebody, not for any agenda, just for the sake of caring. I am here for you, and your pain is my pain, and your lack is my lack, and I will help you. In this week's parsha, it's no coincidence that so many of the themes of how to interact with our fellow human beings, don't hate your fr- friend in, the, in your heart, don't take revenge, don't hold a grudge. Love your fellow as yourself. There's so many interhuman mitzvahs that happen in this week's parsha, which deserve tremendous focus, as much focus as the other parts of religion. Often when you go to shiurim, when we go to lectures, the shiurim will focus on the, the other parts of the religion, the Shabbat, the kosher, and other technical and beautiful parts of the religion. But why are they not supplemented and complemented by study and focus on the laws of interhuman connection. How many people even know that there's an, a prohibition to hold a grudge? Loisitor, don't hold a grudge. How many of us know that having a faribble is actually a biblical prohibition? Now, this is not about preaching and fire and brimstone. This is about if we realize that it's as important to not hold grudge just to keep Shabbat, they're both part of our, of, of the 613 commandments, we would maybe give them more attention. Don't hate your brother in your heart. That is one of the biblical commandments. Love your fellow as yourself. Don't take revenge. 
All these things are so important and yet we don't hear them being given the attention that they need. And for seven weeks during this Omer counting, each day we work on our character. We work on, and we, we stop listening to music, and we, 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 you know, don't cut our hair, and we do other things. But it's not so much about the technicality of what we do and what we don't do. It's the theme behind it. Of course the technical is important. But it's more importantly is the theme. What's this there to remind us? It's there to remind us that 24,000 students of one of the greatest sages who ever lived, Rabbi Akiva, 24,000 students died and they are nameless and they've been lost to history simply for one reason. Despite their piety, despite their sagacity, despite their incredible level of spirituality, they could not respect one another. And that lesson is there to penetrate into our brain, to remember that despite of all our growth and all our piety, if we cannot respect one another, what is it? What is it all worth? This is 101.9 Chai FM here on Soul to Soul. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. So when you see your fellow human being, what do you see? What's your natural gravitation? Do you gravitate towards seeing their beauty? Towards seeing their divinity? Or do you gravitate towards seeing their weaknesses, their agendas, their pettiness? Because each and every one of us, every one of us amongst the human race has so much beauty and has so much ugliness. We do. And if we want to look within one another and see beauty, we'll see it. If we want to see ugliness, we'll see it. And it's interesting. There's an expression from the sages, I'll call Peshaim Techase Ahava. On all Love conceals, love blocks all misdeeds. In other words, if you love somebody truly, then you'll be forgiving or you won't even notice a lot of their misdeeds. And that's why often, you know, you can marry a person or you could have a child that other people maybe dislike, but you're married to the individual. That person's your child and you love them and and you can't even understand why people dislike them because you're not seeing certain things that other people see. (coughs) Now, I'm not justifying the fact that other people don't like. But what I am saying is, if you choose to love somebody, you will see the beauty within them. If you choose to dislike them and you choose to, you know, wait for the, uh, wait for them to prove their inefficiencies, believe me, you'll find inefficiencies. And, and it's, it's unfortunately seen very often that you, you have people that like you. And they'll magnify your greatness and you have people who dislike you and they'll always magnify your weaknesses because that's what they're looking for. What do we look for in another person? Are we looking for reasons to like them? Are we looking for reasons to dislike them? Are we looking for what we share in common and what we could respect? Are we looking for the difference and, you know, to create suspicion? The 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva were pious individuals. They really were. Let me just give you some context to them. We're told that Rabbi Akiva was a 40-year-old shepherd, ignoramus. His wife was Rachel, the daughter of the wealthiest person in Jerusalem at the time. And when she married Rabbi Akiva, who was a absolute amaaretz, was didn't know how to learn anything and was a very simple individual, her father disowned him. And she went from being extremely wealthy to extremely poor. 
And Rabbi Kiva, so much so, he wanted, he promised to, he says, one day I'm going to build, uh, I'm going to buy you a, a beautiful crown. At the time, people wore crowns with like an image of Jerusalem on it. One day I'll buy you such an image, um, such a crown. And at some stage, she encourages him to go study. And he, he buys into it and he goes and he studies. Twelve years later, he comes, he's traveling home and he has 12,000 students. And as he's about to enter in the house, he hears somebody berating his wife and telling his wife, what kind of husband do you have that left you for 12 years? And she looks at him, she, he hears her say to her friend, if it was up to me, I would tell him to go for another 12 years, just so they can, you know, grow his Torah and play his part. And indeed, that's what he does. He goes and doesn't even walk into the house and comes back 12 years later with 24,000 students. It seems quite obvious. Um, that these are the 24,000 students. So these are the 24,000 students that he developed his 24 years, I guess from age 40 to 64. He spent his time, his, his beginning of his leadership, building these characters. These were the people that saw his incredible level of spirituality. Rabbi Kiva was one of the greatest sages that ever lived, so much so that there's a story in the Talmud um, that in heaven Moses one time came to Rabbi Akiva's lecture and he felt a bit disheartened because he wasn't even able to follow necessarily all the logic that Rabbi Kiva was teaching until he heard from the front of the room, the story goes, Rabbi Kiva said that whatever I'm telling you is based on the tradition that Moshe was taught on Sinai, Moses was taught on Sinai, and Moshe Rabbeinu calmed down and he felt at peace knowing that this is all based on the foundational principles that he taught from Sinai. But this is the level of Rabbi Kiva, one of the, great, the greatest sages that ever lived. Comes Rabbi Kiva, and he's the one that says, love your fellow as yourself. This is an important principle in Torah. Who is Rabbi Kiva? Rabbi Kiva is the one who witnessed that the 24,000 students that he raised, the 24,000 students that were his foundation, that were the beginning of his leadership, all got lost, not because they were not scholarly enough. They were extremely scholarly. They were studying with the greatest sage, Rabbi Akiva himself. He taught and he, he, he taught for all generations. Remember, I had 24,000 students who are lost to history. That's the point. The reason we don't know any, any of their names is because they're truly lost to history. We don't know anything about them. All we know is that 24,000 students who were extremely holy, they were the students of the holy Rabbi Akiva, are lost to history because they could not respect one another. And that is the lesson. That is the message. It's not about who, their names. It's not about where they're buried. The ambiguity of this, of these students is its own lesson. That's the lesson that we're here to learn. That you can be lost to history simply because you can't respect another individual. That despite your piety and despite your greatness, ultimately the impact you make on this world is the way you treat your fellow human being. And that's the theme of these months. And that is why this is the lead up to Shavuot. Shavuot is the holiday that we receive the Torah. Shavuot is the holiday that we celebrate our religion and, and the wisdom of Torah. Comes the Omer before Shavuot and reminds us that if you want to receive the Torah on fertile ground, make yourself a good person first. Let Torah 
plant itself and ingrain itself in in an individual who for seven weeks was working on their character, who for seven weeks was becoming a better person every single day. That is where Torah will find fertile ground. That's why the Omer doesn't happen after Shavuot. This time of character building happens as a preparation for Shavuot, as a preparation for receiving the Torah. Because you can only truly receive the Torah on a heart that's loving on a lo- heart that's full of ahava, of kavod, of love and respect to another individual. Only then will the Torah settle in fertile ground and allow itself to make the impact it needs. But if my heart is broken, if my heart is not complete in love, if I cannot forgive, if I hold grudges, if I take revenge, if I struggle to love my fellow, then Torah does not implant itself on a healthy heart and often then Torah can actually not only become not a blessing, it can be used for destruction and how often can Torah be used for self-righteousness, for judgmentalism for other things that are destructive, if it does not come on a whole beautiful heart Torah itself can heaven forbid be corrupted because the foundation has to be Barcheinu avinu kulanu keechad God bless us when we're all together. That is the foundation. The Shulchan Aruch tells us, the Code of Jewish Law tells us, that before we start prayer in the morning, in other words, right when we get up, one of the first things we have to say after we acknowledge Modani, uh, you know, I acknowledge that I got my soul back, one of the first things we have to say is, Hareini mekabel alai, I hereby accept upon myself, mitzvah saseh, the positive commandment, of loving your fellow as yourself. Because before we pray, before we go to our first shir, before we go to learn our first thing, before anything, the Torah, the Shulchan Aruch tells us there's two preparations you have to do before you daven. Say the, accept upon yourself to love a fellow Jew and give charity. Really? Those are the two things you do? Before you learn the daily daf? Before you prayed, yes, before you do anything, before your Judaism of the day starts, be kind, be loving, be forgiving. Because that is the foundation, the idach pirusha and the rest is commentary. This is what 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. So, 101.9 Chai FM, this is Rabbi Levi Yatsin, wrapping up the show. It's a privilege always to be here, and it's good to be back after a little break, Craig. And I just want to finish with the final message. Today is the second of ER. And the second of ER in, in Jewish history, one of the things that happened on this day is that there was a great sage by the name of Rabbi Shmuel, Shmuel of Lubavitch, who lived in the 18th and 19th century, who was born on this time actually just in the, 19, in the 19th century. And he said the following. He said, many other people tell you to first take the simple route to go under the problem, and then only when you have no choice, you go to the higher. You go above the problem. But I say, to go from the beginning, take the approach that goes above the problem. In other words, aspire high. Dream high. Jump high. Take the higher road. And then the theme that we spoke about the last, you know, last hour about respecting one another. 
some of us, you know, it, it's, respect becomes the last thing we do. After we've worked on every other part of our religion and our faith, then we, we start working on our love. L'chatchila, from the beginning, as we grow in our lives, we have to ask ourselves every single night, am I a forgiving person? Am I a kind person? Am I a loving person? Not only am I a religious person, not only am I a pious person, not only how many shiurim did I go to today, but what kind of person am I? Every night before we say the Shema, we say the following words, Ribbona Shalallah, Master of the Universe, Hareni Mochel, I hereby forgive Lechol Mishehichis Vehiknet Osi. To anyone who angered or hurt or, you know, niggled me, anybody that got in my way and hurt me, I forgive them, whether they affected my financial situation, my honor, etc., etc. I forgive, I love. Every day, three times a day when we say the Amidah, the final paragraph of Amidah, God, hold back, help me hold back my tongue from speaking evil. Let my heart not, never, my heart be silent, to the people who curse me. Let my soul be like dust to everybody. In other words, let me be humble. Let us be kinder. Let us be more loving. And to take this, uh, just, you know, to broaden it beyond the spirit to Omer, to not tomorrow's local elections and it's important that each and every one of us remember um, as we you know whatever we feel about this country we live in an incredible democracy and we have the ability of voting the ability of making an impact as long as we do it with respect and dignity and build a healthier society for each and every one of us here and in the holy land as we commemorate Yom HaZikaron tonight um, as we commemorate the people who have lost their life for defending the Holy Land and for those who were killed in terrorist attacks, our hearts are with them, our hearts are one with them in unity, in compassion, and in, in absolute oneness. I want to wish each and every one of us a wonderful week, a wonderful day, and may we all achieve within our lives and the people around us. Let us find true unity and true True, true, Avat Yisrael loving one another. Finish off with a song. This is Simcha Lokim on a cappella here, 101.9 Chai FM.